0: This is a GRDC podcast. Barley foliar diseases are genetically diverse pathogens, meaning they reproduce sexually and have the ability to rapidly overcome genetic resistance. It's a significant challenge for the grains industry, but new research made possible through GRDC Investment is using the latest advanced computer techniques to help identify new sources of resistance from around the world. I'm Hilary Sims, and in this podcast, we'll learn more about this research, which is focused on finding resistance genes for net form of net blotch, spot form of net blotch, and scald. To talk me through it, I'm joined by project lead Dr Kai Fosfels. He's a senior research fellow with the Queensland Alliance for Agriculture and Food Innovation, based at the University of Queensland in Brisbane. I caught up with Kai at the university campus near some of the glasshouses he's using to trial different barley lines.
1: Well the ultimate outcome would be new improved varieties, there are just more robust or more resistant when it comes to disease pressure from multiple pathogens. The key idea here is to sort of support the variety development process so that in a couple of years' time, farmers will have access to improved varieties that require less agrochemical inputs, require less fungicides in spraying, and thereby ultimately increase or maximize profits on farm.
0: Fortunately for Kaini's team, his researchers had a strong start thanks to the knowledge and promising genetic lines identified in the now complete barley foliar pathogen project. Listen to part one of this podcast to learn more about that. I asked Kai about the path his new research program is taking, and how it will give breeding programs the information they require. Here's Kai.
1: So what we're actually doing is in the first step, we're building this large data set that consists of historic data from the previous investment, but we're augmenting that with new experiments that we're running with national partners to build this large reference population that we will then genotype, So, which means that we basically get high-resolution DNA fingerprints for each single one of thousands of diverse barley accessions. They're actually coming from more than 60 or 70 countries, so we're sort of casting the net really wide to make sure you know, we, we're able to capture as much of the diversity that's out there for barley as possible. And once we've, once we've established that, we, we're then going to feed that information into artificial intelligence and machine learning type optimization algorithms that will then help us to sort of make more efficient selection decisions, really, in order to capture as, as many good resistance genes as possible.
0: And so what does that look like? We've just been out in the glasshouses and there are all these different barley varieties, different shapes, sizes, colours. Tell me about these varieties that you've sourced and what your process is for testing them.
1: The latest batch, and this is actually, this is really fascinating. So we've basically ordered um, 1,000 diverse barley accessions from all across the world. And we're sowing them in our glasshouses here we take leaf samples from them that we then use for DNA extraction, and then we send off the DNA to our partners, who are then analyzing that DNA at a really, really high resolution and really high throughput. So it doesn't actually even cost that much. It's actually really, really cheap, comparatively cheap, at least compared to phenotyping. And then we, we use that information, the, the genome information that we sort of got from our glasshouse um, experiments and, and the genotyping, we use that along with with actual phenotype screening data that's been collected by our partners um, in, throughout the country. And we, we sort of combine these, these two, the phenotype and the genotype, to actually sort of figure out which the genes are that are underlying um, resistance or disease
0: response. So you've just mentioned how affordable this technology is compared to conventional processes. What are some of the other benefits of using modern technology and new processes for this type of work?
1: So well, firstly, we've got this large reference population and once we're feeding in this data into these optimization algorithms, they're actually going to help us make better selection decisions. So it's 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 sort of beyond what a human can actually grasp in terms of capturing as many good genes or, you know, variants of those genes as possible. So so we, in, in a way, we're, we're sort of using these things to help us do a better job. But then we're also using other technologies like speed breeding, a rapid generation advancement technology developed here by my colleagues at UQ, to, to actually sort of take the information on which lines to cross. And then we will actually make those lines in the glasshouse. And we're going to run them through generations really rapidly. So we'll be able to generate new germplasm in a time frame of two to three years.
0: So Kai, what does a typical day look like for you then? It's not all in the glass house. A lot of it seems to be sitting at a computer, looking at data. Talk me through what you do on a day-to-day basis for this project.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's the interesting part of it, or being involved in research in general. Like every day is pretty much um, different. So yeah, like you said, we do spend a lot of time in the glass house actually growing the material, sampling it and so on. And there's a lot of crossing actually involved. But then we also spend a lot of time in front of our computers essentially trying to look at patterns in the genome that might be of interest, trying to estimate effects of certain genomic regions on the traits of interest that we're actually working with. For example, yeah, in in this case, disease resistances and so on, building these algorithms that takes up a substantial amount of time, to be honest, like optimizing these optimization algorithms to your specific data sets, make sure that everything is sort of in place and everything's working. And typically, we're also dealing with fairly large amounts of data so all this needs to be done in a high-performance computing environment, so using supercomputers that are actually able to crunch all that data through. So we're sort of swapping between glasshouse house, um, office, computer work, but also, yeah, then, then eventually also in the field and testing in material under field conditions in different nurseries.
0: Now we know it's a three-year investment and it's still relatively early days, only about six months in at time of recording. How is it going so far and what sort of findings have you had
1: well, so far, I think it's it's been really, really a great, great pleasure for us to work with all our partners in the country. So we sort of got got everyone on the same table. I mean, there was a lot of discussion, a lot of setup work involved, obviously, because it's, it's a very transdisciplinary approach. So we're actually not only working in the pre-breeding space, but we're um, sort of getting support from pathology experts, from genomics experts, and so on. And yeah sort of setting this all up basically tapping into these almost like yeah untapped sources of diversity from the gene bank for example where we know they haven't actually been tested yet by, by any anyone else, but also tapping into this amazing resource that's been created as part of the previous investment. That's been a really, really, yeah, like great pleasure to be honest. And and also seeing seeing the material being being grown out in, in the disease nurseries and also in the glasshouse. And it's just fascinating how much diversity there actually is. If you just have a look at different growth types, different colours of the spikes, the horns and so on. There's there's so much diversity out there. So we're actually really, really hopeful. Um, that we might be able to capture novel alleles that could really help um, yeah, making better barley in terms of improving durable disease resistance.
0: What do you hope the final outcome is? What does success look like for you in this project?
1: So first of all, I mean, we're really pushing towards establishing this database, this catalogue of all available resistance that is out there, as you know, as a resource for other researchers for breeding programs and so on, that they can actually take forward to make better barley to improve resistance for barley. That's one thing, but then also, I mean, I'm 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 sort of driven or or sort of really enthusiastic about the idea of of generating new germplasm as part of this investment as well, and this is exactly what we're doing in the second year. So as soon as we've had the chance to sort of analyse the first batches of data properly, we'll be starting to make crosses, we'll be trying to accumulate disease resistance genes or, you know, favourable variants of these genes in elite Australian barley genetic backgrounds and thereby hopefully make significant steps towards achieving more durable and increased levels of resistance.
0: That was Dr Kai Fosfels, Senior Research Fellow with the Queensland Alliance for Agriculture and Food Innovation, based at the University of Queensland in Brisbane. This was the second part in a two-part podcast on barley foliar pathogens. If you missed the first part with Dr. Liesl Snyman from the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries Queensland, a link to it can be found in the description box of this podcast. I'm Hilary Sims. Thanks for listening.